This is the Impunity Observer podcast. Fergus Hodgson here. Please follow us at impunityobserver.com. We're on all platforms. And if you have not already, please subscribe to this channel on YouTube. I'm in Guatemala City, back here. And I was recently here during the elections last month. And we are fortunate to have members of, of the International Observers from Ball State University. They work with the Voting System and Technical Oversight Program, or VSTOP. They are Elisa Gray. She is the Training and Assessment Specialist. And we have the co-director, Chad Kinsella. They're both in Indiana. So they were here observing now. To be frank, I don't know how much observers can observe when you come here. So why don't you take us through a little bit of the you know, first, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm really pleased to have this, uh, your presence, because the truth is that this is a very controversial time in in the era where there, I mean, on the day, I, I assume everything seemed to go smoothly, but then there's been some, there have been some reverberations after aftershocks. So why don't you clarify for people what your role is or was in the Guatemalan elections and how much you can and cannot see. I mean, just just clarify, because I, I hear there are international observers, and I wonder how fruitful is such an operation, and what can you actually do there? So just let's back up. What is the role of the international observer, and how much can he actually observe when he goes there? Yes, I think that's a great question. I'd also like to begin, uh, we're very thankful that the Impunity Observer podcast is having us here today to talk about our experiences while we were in Guatemala. So um, we are actually a program that is uh, contracted through the Indiana Secretary of State's office. So um, back in early, I would say late May-ish, we were invited through the Indiana Secretary of State's office to join a delegation that would be going to Guatemala to be um, a part of the International Election Observer Program. So um, our Secretary of State, Diego Morales, he actually was born in Guatemala. He lived there for about five years before he came to these states. So it was an awesome experience to see him engage back in his community in Guatemala and people were to recognize him. So that's how we kind of landed up in Guatemala as international election observers. While we were there, we arrived on Friday so two days before the election, and we met with different um, election organizations. We were able to meet with the the, um, the Guatemalan Deputy Secretary of State, the United States Ambassador while we were there. Uh, we also met with Steve Hecht, which I believe is a part of the Impunity Observer Program. So that's kind of what happened before we uh, observed the election day. While we were there on election day, we went to 10 different polling locations. We were able to engage with poll workers, talk, ask questions. Um, we kind of saw the whole process of how they filled out the ballot and then how they would go back and cast their vote and then they'd come back and then they would put it in the different slots. So I would say it was kind of a base level of what we were able to see, but we were able to engage with in conversation with everybody that was there. Everybody was so welcoming and nice to us while we were there, which was Amazing. So, I mean, we went to all kinds, of, in 10 different places. We started off, like, as soon as the, the polls opened in the morning and stayed until late. So, we didn't get to see it. It was interesting. And, it's, you know, the, the, the setup is, is, so I know that there was some controversy that happened before the election that obviously we, there's not much we could have done, you know, with, with some candidates being kicked off the ballot. 
but the idea of being like we going and seeing it, you know, you could see the the whole process. Uh, we were, you know, allowed to talk to the the people at the tables who were who were working. That we, you know, I was always curious uh, as someone who likes you know political science. It's like you know the the party observers. It's like you know which parties are you from, and to kind of hear you know the different places we went and different tables. You know which party. So overall, I feel like we had a lot of access that day. Obviously, we only went to ten out of thousands of uh, of election sites, and, and mostly because we were in Guatemala City, we were in and around Guatemala City. So, and there you know, there were obviously some some places that had some uh, some problems uh, outside of of the main city. But uh, I feel like what we saw, I mean, it was overall was good, and and um, it's it seemed to me to be a, a pretty, given the the situation, of a pretty uh, open process, you know, the idea of, you know, the, the different color ballots, the different colors that have to go into the, into the different bags. Um, the only thing that we didn't end up have, getting a chance to do just because of the, the amount of time that we had left was, you know, I, I wish we could have seen the counting of the ballots. But again, one of those things with, with a Guatemala election is like once they close the doors, you don't leave until those are, are shut. And in the last place we went, they, we were offered the chance to stay there. And, you know, the gentleman working, he said, you know, you're more than welcome to stay. But when we start counting, you know, you're not leaving until that's done. He said, <laughs> it might be in an hour or two or it might be 4 a.m. And I think members of, of uh, our delegation were, you know, heard that. And given that we had a, a very early flight the next day to leave, it, it seemed a little bit uh, risky. Uh, so that was maybe the only thing that the only thing we didn't get to see. But otherwise, we, we were we had. I, I never felt at any point in time that we were not okay. We we have you know got to see the ballots, pictures of it. We, uh, so we got to see you know a lot. It was it, it was very eye opening and very interesting. I would say so. In that sense, I feel like, but obviously because we only went to ten polling places among so many, you know, we only caught a, a very small glimpse. And plus, it was all in Guatemala City where things were mostly it seemed like on the up and up. So it, it you know there were some things outside of the. The main city where where you had uh, you know several instances of you know, vote burning or or threats and stuff like that. So things that we never encountered mercifully, but again, there's there's things happen. Yeah, there's so much to say about this, and I'm to be frank, I'm very glad that you have such an organization, V Stop, because things can go wrong. And so you you went to ten, yeah, like you said, polling stations out of thousands across the country and what could you and could you not observe when you say things went smoothly and you're learning as part of your the v-step well not just v-stop but all these county clerks and Diego morales what let's say could you have seen that would be good or bad if let's say you observe things that you were concerned about could you have written up a report or what impact could you have there i think we could i mean you, there were and so we you, when we got to enter each one of these, we got to meet the people that were running there. And uh, several of them, you know, told us, and I remember one, I forget his name in particular, but we got there and he said, you know, no, no BS here. You know, this is, you know, we, we run this tight ship. It's like, you know, if you see very, you know, point, like if you see anything, if you see somebody not being treated correctly, you, you come and talk to me. Like, we, you know, we don't deal with that here. So I think that there was kind of, it, uh, there was kind of this open idea you know, that, that we could, that there were, and we had met several different organizations uh, in Guatemala that were also poll, poll watchers. And so I think that they were, would have been, you know, that they were, it was a give and take. Like they were explaining what they were seeing. We kind of explained what we saw. So, I mean, overall, 
what happened, and maybe even expectations. Like we, yeah, we just never really saw anything. And, and really, quite frankly, and, and Lisa could, you know, we, it was a very relaxed atmosphere overall. There were several places we went, the music was piped in, coffee, cookies, a much more relaxed atmosphere than we're used to in the United States, which is very, uh, I don't know if we, we fall back on like maybe our German roots with that, but it's very like you're in line. You don't smile. We're gonna we're gonna go. And you, it's it's very judicious, and, and it's like you are not supposed to have fun or talk to anybody. And there's definitely no snacks. And it, Guatemalan coffee is wonderful too. So it's, <laughs> I always agree get Guatemalan coffee. Yeah. So basically, you said you you could have, but in your you could have reported concerns, but in your situation, there weren't red flags that you observed. Now. Maybe you want to ex- elaborate a little bit on the actually, let's say, the mechanical differences from what you observe in Indiana. This the procedural differences. So I think one of the biggest differences is here in Indiana, most of our, I mean, all of our ballots casted are through technology. All of the ballots casted in Guatemala are all paper ballots. I think one of the biggest shocking things to us was that there's five different papers but with that, it was so well organized. Each of them were color coordinated. They, uh, voters knew which bag to put them in due to the color. Um, it was brought to our attention that illiteracy is something that is um, is kind of popular and common in Guatemala. So to be able to have uh, voters that have that disability, um, they're able to still cast their vote because of the color coordination. I think that's one of the biggest differences. Um, it was awesome to see everybody going around with their finger, with the uh, the ink on it, knowing that they've they've voted. Uh, we have the statewide voter registration system that that's able to identify that our voters have already casted a vote um, at a polling location um, versus the ink or them signing in in Guatemala with the polling list. I didn't think about that could be a potential problem that with with a non-digital approach how would you know if people were or not know if people are voting twice yeah they had pictures like so i was very impressed like the voter id you know so you had to you know bring in your 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 id present it and they had a picture on the on the voter registration rules on top of it all that that was i actually impressed all of us but so i mean i think it was a lot less it was a lot more low tech if you will so i mean in, in indiana pretty much across the state most of the united states at this point in time you know we're as as Lisa said, we're talking about you know voting machines, and you're going in. A lot of them are just touch screens, in, in fact. And then even to check in, we have uh, e poll books. So it's it's very all, and that's which is somewhat connected, you know, very securely to like a, a SVRS, the state voter registration system. And you know, it's it's you can get immediately. So it's like they would know if I cast a ballot early. They would know exactly when I vote. If I tried to vote again, it's it's already in there. So I mean, it's, it's a, a little bit low, more low tech, but I think we, at the end of the day, that we were still very impressed with the accommodations that they did in order to deal with you know the situation on the ground in Guatemala. You know, the fact that they had a picture ID, you know, of you know, and I a picture of the person, and they and when they had to present their ID, you could you could you know compare the two. Uh, they had this, they had pretty good uh, voter roll list. You know, the colored paper, the plastic bags that you you would put, you know, you put put the ballots in to make sure that each one of them were in there. Uh, the only thing I think, you know, was, was maybe a little concerned to us was we, we kind of noticed, you know, there's not a, a whole lot of privacy for the voting, but 
otherwise, you know, having seen the ballots, I mean, it was it was we got there. We, we were confused by the, some of the election uh, material because they had to act. So we thought, oh, they're saying not vote for this party. But that's the, you know, you, you exit out the, the party the, that you want to vote for. You put an X for that you want to vote for. And it seemed very clear, like you, they they had the pictures of the candidates for the presidential, the pictures of the parties and, and, and you know, the party uh, names and everything. So it seemed I, I was impressed by I, I was a little apprehensive about what we would see as far as like what was on the ballot. But it's like, you know, they, it seemed like they tried to go out of their way to make sure that, that especially if you weren't able to to read like that, it was a very simple process. You could simply you could see the candidate, see the party that, that you were voting for. And let's just clarify then. So you referred to five papers. Does this mean, let's say, the local candidate, the mayoral candidate? Okay. Because there was one issue, which I'm sure you're aware of, that there was a huge, let's say, failure rate. The You had void votes of about one in six, and then blank votes... 7%, which I guess supposedly people deliberately did not vote for anybody, although that's that's ambiguous to me. So about a quarter, almost a quarter of the votes went to no one. Yes. Yeah. Would you like to comment on that? Or did you were you aware of that challenge when you were there? It was really interesting. When we got there, we talked to a gentleman on Saturday, and, you know, we were kind of asking, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? And and the fact that these, you know, these people were kicked off the ballot by the, the Supreme Electoral Tribunal, and and uh, the interesting thing comment that he made that seemed to be that resonated with a lot of people is he said, "All we have now is the leftovers." So he he felt very strongly that <laughs> that, that the, the candidates that were left yeah. were leftovers, and then Lisa and I, we were at a, one of the polling stations, and there was a, an older gentleman who was casting his ballot, and again, it's very interesting. So. There's a, a like a pencil, like a, almost like a giant black crayon. It looks like I mean, it's something. It almost looks like something like a uh, uh, like a woodworker would use or something like that, where you you can X out the you know, party and everything. And this, this gentleman was working for a little bit and kind of we we were waiting. Like there was a big rumor, like one of the big candidates was supposed to arrive. So we were kind of interested to kind of see what that would happen. But so try to clean this up for your podcast. But the gentleman, you know, he registered his anger with the situation. And he wrote MFers across the ballot in perfect English, mind you, held it up for everyone to see, folded it up and cast his ballot. If if I could have gotten that picture of that video, I wish I would have been a little more on it with that one. But I felt like that captured a lot of the the frustration that a lot of Guatemalan voters had with the presidential vote. There was was frustration, clearly. And that, that individual in particular, the fact that he wrote that across his papers, you know, it would clearly signify to me that there was there, there's a, a large level of frustration that that they felt like this, they did not have the full slate of candidates that they had wished for. And would that can, that vote from this guy who just wrote some words across his ballot would that be considered a blank vote? I think it would have been like a spoiled, avoided or spoiled vote. So yeah, it's it's very hard to know what the intention was behind these void and blank votes and how many of them well were any of them just mistaken that people tried to vote but failed i would say so while we were there we um we were able to ask the questions about it i think when dr Kinsella was talking about that black pin that they used it was kind of 
so distinct and that's what they're supposed to be using. Um, so if voters were to come and you use their own black pen, I think that gets into question of where the poll workers will have to decide if that vote is going to be casted or if it's going to be voided. So I think in some terms, there, I can't speak on the behalf of Guatemalan poll workers, but um, I think that would be kind of a little bit, you know, you know, questionable of where, where you decide what can be casted and what's not. But um, I would say in the situation with the ballot that we did see, I think that would be considered a voided ballot. Yeah. Um, I think it does say a lot about the voters in Guatemala that uh, they are frustrated and they want to show up even on election day, even if they're not going to cast a vote just because they, you know, they want to see a difference out of the outcome um, and try to have a rerun. So. So, yeah, that's, you need to think too. And if we were talking as, as someone who worked on campaigns, I, I was joking with another uh, colleague who went with us on this trip. It was kind of like, you know, if I were representing one of the parties and I didn't, you know, if it crossed the line at all, it's like, could you contest that? And ultimately by law, you could. So, I mean, if, if someone had made a mistake and tried to do, do like, and, you know, it's like tried to scratch it out and then put an X on the, the right one or whatever, you know, that I'm sure that that was, that was a spoiled ballot. It could, you know, wouldn't be cast, but, uh, so, you know, there's, it's, yeah, if you, any mistake, if it, if it was, I think anything but, but an X and if it got into another, another section of the vote, I, I guess, you know, a party could challenge that. So, um, how much of that mattered or if it was just people that were angry and wrote things like that one, you know, a gentleman did it and, and uh, you know, just were frustrated. So, you know, it, it's, it'll be, it would be tough to know without going through and looking at, the, at them all. I mean, that's happened in the United States too, with, you know, with the, you know, going back to 2000 with the hanging chads. And I remember in Minnesota, they had uh, this back in 2008, they still had written ballots and it was kind of like, you know, trying to determine, uh, you know, sometimes a voter's uh, intent, um, when they when when they have the ability to market can be a little bit difficult and then you have you know the parties they have their own reasons for trying to say hey this one shouldn't count it's this it's it should be spoiled because it, it, you know especially if it's not for their candidate it seems like this particular election or election these elections were i mean apt for precisely your program this v stop or voting system system technical oversight program because even though as you said the, the the system here seems to be relatively well adapted to the needs of guatemalans still the level of controversy after the election is incredible i mean not in a positive way that there's a great deal of concern about the legitimacy of let's say confidence in, the, in an accurate count or and as you mentioned who could and could not be on the ballot and you, I, do, I know you, you, you're a nonpartisan organization the, the the challenge I guess is how could this have been avoided or what do you, you know your whole program is to I guess avoid such concerns about legitimacy and has anyone from Guatemala reached out to get, get advisory support or anything like that? They have not. I, I think what, and, and so it, it, the the way in which we do things, mostly in the United States, particularly in Indiana versus Guatemala, is, is very, very, very different. 
substantially so that I'm not sure that, that you know, I think we would be talking, you know, apples to oranges type of deal. Because ultimately, unless you're doing a mail-in ballot, and there are very strict rules on that mail-in ballot of how you cast a vote and everything, you know, it's, it's all done by machine. You know, you, you press a button or, or whatever, and, and um, you know, you, you have a chance in a lot of cases, like in our county, you can see, you know, the VV pad, the, the voter verified uh, paper audit trail. And it's like you can confirm what, you know, what you did. So, I mean, there's, so, there's a lot more checks and balances and it's a lot more mechanical. So it's, it's just a lot more, uh, a lot more difficult to kind of, you know, say what, what did and didn't happen. But so the idea of like, so Guatemala, it, it would be given their circumstances, um, it would be, you know, you could add some more checks and balances to it, but given that it's a, a paper ballot and you're making an X and you have all these things going on, it, it, it would be, it's just a, it's a very different system, I think. Lisa? Um, I think, uh, so while we were there, we were able to meet with one of the observer programs. I think this was their first year in an election. Um, I can't really recall the the name of it. But while we were there, we w- were able to speak with them about they were having a reporting platform where the, um, the observers were throughout the day would be able to report what they were seeing, things that the um, the polling locations might have had or didn't have to make sure that the elections were running efficiently. Um, I think how many people were showing up, how many poll workers were there. So just different things to report back um, as a nation in total. So we at VSTOP also have an anomaly platform for reporting. Um, so I think just using things from the past to be able to help with the future. Well, we, this is where we've seen something um, where it was deficient or this is where something went wrong. How can we improve that for the next election? So with this observer program, maybe that they can take the what they had seen at this election and maybe improve maybe even in August or in the next four years. Will an Indiana delegation go back? In August? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I would definitely jump with the opportunity again. <laughs> I, I, I was just really, I, I yeah, I, I thought the world of Guatemala had never been there. And, uh, it was He'd probably go back just for the coffee act. absolutely that's coffee in the world i would definitely say that but um yeah i don't know but ultimately you know i think they you know talking we were there and i was i was fascinated by this whole uh vote burning which would happen some of the the mayoral you know out in the areas and and, Mm -hmm. talking with some of the the election observers and they said the guatemalan government you know they they have a pretty good idea of where this has happened in the past that there's a kind of a uh um, a history or uh, it's kind of the culture like that, that you know, this, if the mayoral candidate feels they're going to lose, they're going to burn votes. So they would send, you know, you know, federal police or state police, you know, district police, I guess I should say with Guatemala, you know, out there to, you know, they knew some of the places where there might be um, a problem. And, and, you know, even though it still happened, it seemed, you know, they were, seemed to be pretty pleased at that point that, that the number of instances was down. Um, and it seemed Man. like it was compared to past elections. So, I mean, it, it does seem like they, it seemed like the, the people when we talked to them that there are efforts in, in terms of the you know trying to make sure that that the votes are done as well as possible, and it was also very heartening to see in Guatemala the number of you know there were a lot of young people involved and you know working the polls and they seemed genuinely interested um, in trying to help out. So I mean that, and that's something you know I think we were talking like the average age for poll workers in the United States is mid 70s so i mean it's just you know, so, uh, the, i mean the, it, it was in, you know really 
a breath of fresh air, really, to see, you know, the, the, the age of the poll workers there and, and, you know, how many of them, even though that they were not, you know, probably well compensated for. So I mean, it was very voluntary and they seemed quite quite pleased with, with the ability and, and, and the opportunity to do so. So there were some good things, you know, still happening, I think, with within, uh, you know, Guatemala, some things to, to, to be happy about despite the fact that, you know, some of the problems that happened before and since that election. Yeah, and you mentioned um, that the fact that the actual counting is just night and day between Indiana and Guatemala, because in Indiana, no one is actually by hand counting anything, right? Whereas in Guatemala, they are. Yeah, and then studies have shown, and again, this is a little bit problematic, but studies have shown that you know, machine counting is much more accurate than human counting. And it, that's, that's also controversial in some places here in the United States right now, but it really, the machine counting unless it's tampered with, and we have ways of making sure that it's not, you know, it is, is very accurate, whereas people counting are not. And they, again, the, all it had to rely a lot on. And again, I think they tried to, it seemed like from, from what we heard about, you know, that they have to hold up the ballot and there's, you know, lots of party people around at each table. So I think there, there, I mean, there's a lot of checks and balances, but still, you know, there, there could be some inaccuracies just because of, of human handling. And that's even if there's no ill intent. Right, that even if people are trying to do their best, yeah. Now, if you have an ill intent, which also could happen, you know that even that that brings even more becomes more problematic. Yeah, because after this election, nine political parties filed complaints. Serious. Now, I find that hard to understand because, as you say, and this is where I don't know the details of the the mechanics, but as far as I know, each party has a representative in all the, the polling booths. So if there's a problem, why wouldn't each representative say something at that moment in time? Yeah, I mean, they were well, the parties were well. I, and and so as, a, as someone who's very interested in parties and, and, you know, the politics behind it, I was very, you know, any time that I could jump in and ask, you know, it's like, you know, people, oh, I'm from Valor, I'm from, you know, Vamos, or uh, what is it? You, they, you have to go to unity there, how they said that. But it's you know, getting the Une different party. parties. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like you know, you so there were a lot of people from you know we would see four, five, six different parties there. So yeah, it's, yeah. So you would you yes, I would agree. I'm not sure how. Yeah, they, they had. I mean, there were they were right there. Like you like if you could imagine someone sitting behind Lisa and I, like that's how close they were. You know, and, they, and that was at every table we went to. Now the mixture of parties differ from from place to place. Um, you know, given the popularity and how many people were available from that party, but you know they were there. Yeah, I think one of the questions that we were we even asked was, I think the only time that they can question the ballot is right then and there. So, um, yeah, that's right. I can't. Do they do? Does Guatemala do recounts? I don't. So I don't think they do recounts. If the I only recall, time that they can question yeah. the ballot was. Yeah, when they were counting, you get one chance, and that like the party has to, to question the ballot before it's cast. And I think after that, it's it's kind of a done deal. Yeah, there's been a great deal of controversy about this because the Constitutional Court ordered a review from the Supreme Electoral Tribunal, and then more recently, the Prosecutor General has said that the party of the candidate who came second, Arevalo, Samia Party, was unlawfully registered or used fraudulent signatures. So this is why it's still an ongoing uh, difficult situation. And, and that candidate might run without a party in, in the, the runoff. 
That's my understanding right now. So in your role as an organization, I assume there's plenty to take away from this. And correct me if I'm wrong, you actually try to train poll workers? I can do a little bit of that. So with my position of training and assessment, we provide several different trainings for Indiana election administrators. We have one training that's called GRABSA, and that is a voter long acronym. We don't have to get into the details of that, but it's basically um, a training on the statewide voter registration system. So that's more for like individuals working at the county level, how they can navigate this registration system. So that's one training that we offer. Another training is um, we require the vendors of the different uh, electronic poll books to provide training to the poll workers and election administrators on how to use the electronic poll books. We call them EPBs. Um, so that's another training. And then our last one is a certificate program, and that's called Certificate in Election Administration Technology and Security, also shortened, called SEATS. We love the acronyms, as we said. So um, that one is just basically a year-long program that we uh, teach these election administrators on different diverse areas that they have to be competent in. So VSTOB doesn't directly train coworkers, but we do kind of have an impact on that process as we do kind of train the trainers, you could say. Um, but the state of Indiana also does provide different resources online um, through the Secretary of State's office, the Indiana Election Division, um, that poll workers can use to uh, train, get trained for Election Day. This was a question that kind of sparked... Um, while I was there, we talked to the poll workers and asked what their training looked like. And they said it was just a, a day Zoom, um, like a three-hour session on Zoom, which is much different than what we have. Um, our poll workers, we can never get anybody engaged, really. It's very hard for them, us to recruit poll workers. And I don't know if it's because we require like two weeks of training or uh, the lack of just civic engagement, but... As Dr. Kinsella mentioned earlier, just seeing the different demographics of poll workers in Guatemala uh, was just awesome to see that there were so many people across the board that were engaged on the election day. Right. And, but my assumption, though, is if you, you're offering a one-year program, that is for people to be professionals in the field. Yes, that's correct. And does that imply then that... I mean, one thing that seems to be coming from from what what I'm hearing is that getting civic engagement, maybe it's going well here in Guatemala, but not necessarily back in the United States. And should elections be run more in a compensated fashion? Is it a challenge that that I assume it's an ongoing debate in the field? I'm ongoing debate here, and I'm sure an ongoing debate there. And it's kind of you know how how professional, and I think with concerns about security and, and making sure that lines aren't long and other things like that. And, and again, there's been studies here in the United States that like the word, the thing that destroys voter confidence the most is, uh, you know, someone waiting in line a long time. Uh, my dad is in another state and he had to, he went to his, his first time went to a, uh, a vote center and they had long lines there. And he, he thinks that the whole thing is, 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 you know, terrible or the process, you know, and he's been voting since 1968. He's never waited in a line before, and it was an hour. But anyway, the idea of being, you know, so the idea is like, you know, um, you know, 
professionalizing it, but professionalizing, you know, that that's more money. And again, so it's like, you know, how much money are you willing to put forward? And it, it's not only a question in Guatemala, but a question here, you know, how much do you want to professionalize it? How much money are you willing to commit? And I think that's an ongoing debate, I guess, in, in both places. But the idea that the more professionalized it is, again, the, the better results you have for your elections. Back in uh, 2017, the United States, the Homeland, uh, Homeland Department of Security actually identified elections as a critical infrastructure. So that was a big um, influence yeah. of where elections are kind of going within the United States. We also have seen a lot of changes since 2002 with the HAVA Act, which is the Help America Vote Act, which is from the hanging chads that Dr. Kinsella mentioned previously. So I think we are going in the right direction. Um, I think we're becoming more aware of the different kind of threats that are happening. And I think it's just important uh, to be able to provide support from the upper, from the state or federal level to down to our county levels for election day, because it is just much more than just a one day activity. Our our county personnel are working year long to prepare for this one day, not only here in the states, but also in Guatemala. So I think it's just important that these individuals have that support and guidance from from other people up above. Uh, Chad, one thing that caught my attention there was the way that you said that how secure an election is doesn't necessarily match the perception among the public that waiting in line might have nothing to do with whether the vote is secure or not, but that's what makes people suspicious. Right. It is, yeah, they've done some, they've actually done some studies. And so MIT, they do public opinion polling and it's only on, you know, what people think about elections. And and ultimately some of the, some of the research that's come out of that is the longer you wait in line, the less confidence you have in voting. So some of the, and, and which doesn't necessarily make sense. And again, I would use my dad as an example. It's just like, you know, he had to wait in line an hour in his polling place in Kentucky and that shook him, you know, he's, you know, like it's wrong, things are bad. And, you know, was it training? Was it because it, it was the first time that that county had used a, a vote center? There could have been a whole numerous group of reasons, all very legitimate. But the fact, you know, that the voters describe that as, as being you know very problematic and, and shakes their confidence in voting. So, I mean, sometimes it's not even rational. It, it could be, you know, just some sort of a bad experience can, can really hurt, you know, the confidence in voting overall. Well, I just, I just said it because now let's just put aside who can actually be on the ballot, right? So that's the controversy here right now that people were canceled before the election and then now after one of the parties may be canceled for legitimate reasons or not. I'm not, I don't want to comment on that, but re regardless of let's we, let's put aside the whole being on, on or off the ballot. But even if we assume that there is a very kind of oversight heavy process that doesn't necessarily correlate with confidence among the electorate, which seems to be the case here. Now, is that just because we, you and I, don't necessarily understand where there are gaps in this process and maybe the public knows better? Or like, is it a misperception, right? Do you follow me? I think so. so it could be misperceptions and it, it could be, you know, the fact that, you know, it started off, you know, some of the things that already happened with the Supreme Electoral Tribunal that were controversial, you know, perhaps tainted that in, in the mind of people. And, and, and again, some of the people that we talked to, including one gentleman, I, I was very struck by the idea that, you know, he, he was like, wow, you have 22 people on the ballot for president. And he's like, this is the left of 
So I mean, you know, if you start off from a from a bad place and you're you're going into something very suspicious uh, already, you know, it, it's you know, the damage is done. Perhaps it's uh, you may you you know some of the people there may have been already very uh, suspicious of of the whole thing, d- despite the fact that you know what I don't I, yeah I would you know almost be from Lisa, but I think the whole time we were there, I I, I didn't ever saw anything that you know all smiles everybody seemed pretty happy sometimes you know busy sometimes not but you know there wasn't ever a moment where somebody was you know angry and, and said this is uh you know they were angry but not not in the way like they weren't ha- unhappy with the process or what was happening you know it was kind of that the anger at, at what had come before so the fact that this candidates for us now this you know, you've given been very generous with your time one of the challenges to it, as you mentioned, 22 candidates on the presidential ballot, is, is that I guess what you'd, you'd call what they have almost like a jungle primary, the equivalent to what you'd call a jungle primary in the United States, where literally neither candidate got more than not even close to 20% of the two that will go to the runoff. That I, I have to just, I get a bit confused with this. How can this stand? Or it just, it seems like there's a lack of legitimacy there. And do you... Does does VSTOP take a position on whether these jungle primaries are smart? Do you get into that those mechanics? We do not. So different states. So Washington and California and Louisiana use these. We do not in Indiana. Uh, we don't have uh, some of the deep South states like Georgia and South Carolina. If you don't get over fifty percent, you have the runoff. Um, it's it's kind of you know more and again the size of the United States and everything and the and the the. The way in which we really allow a lot of local control, still in state control over elections, it kind of it bears out in you know the different different places and how they do things. Colorado and Washington and a couple other states do all mail in ballots. We don't do that, so it, it's a, a little bit different. Um, you know, so we wouldn't take a stand in that. And um, I forget and, and the, the woman's name who's in who's who got Sandra Torres. Torres, yeah. So she's this is her, I think, third go at, at going to the second round. So it's it's kind of interesting. And that we were asking some people about that, and you know, apparently she's got some people who really love her and some people who really don't like her. And and I that again, this gentleman we had talked to was like, it's like, how does she make it to the second round every time? It's like, oh, there's some people who love her, but it's like everybody in Guatemala City hates her. And I don't know, I he didn't get into why or something like that, but. Yeah, you know, she's. This is her, I think, third go of making it to the second round, and it's in. And again, it's kind of an interesting. She was a polarizing figure, but so it's. You know, there are benefits. There are benefits. Some of the different states that have it like it. California and Washington really like kind of their jungle. You know, their jungle primary, if you will, and it's kind of like the, the top two people. And like you could have a Republican versus a Republican, and a, a Democrat versus a Democrat in that in that sense. And it's the idea of like you know gives a little bit of variety within the party, like a more centrist versus left or right or something like that. And in Louisiana is very interesting too. We wouldn't take a stance on that because Indiana doesn't have that law. We don't have anything like that, that jungle primary. So we, we really wouldn't, you know, it's just, you know, somebody who wins the, the either party primary and then they go on to, to the general. And it's, it's uh, in the United States standard, pretty cut and dry. And it's kind of it, it, and very similar to how it's kind of been done for, for quite a long time. So long story short, Again, I'm academics. I'm always long-winded, so I apologize. But you know, we we wouldn't take a stance in that. It's interesting, you know, what would happen if you did did something else. You know, that's something that it could definitely consider. But it seems like they have not, you know, so far, you know, since really elections really got going in the early 2000s. So it it maybe it's possible. 
Yeah, then might, there might be a change. Just if people are not aware of the results, officially, uh, Sandra Torres got 15.9 or 16%, and Bernardo, Bernardo Arevalo got 12%. So it almost seems to favor, in the case of Torres, like you said, a, a firm minority who can at least kind of rally and get to that small amount over people with, let's say, dispersed popularity, which probably leads to her getting to the first round, but not to the second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very interesting. Yeah, dispersed popularity. You know, I guess right now, I can only imagine that those two candidates and their parties are, are probably trying to cut some deals. And, and, and so they're, you know, right now, one of the biggest problems is, is since we have a two-party system in the United States, deals are very uh, few and far between, I would say. So I, I would imagine like some sort of a, and, and again, because of the Congress in, in Guatemala, you know, they have to form some coalition governments and Obama's got those seats, but what was it, 39 out of 160, you know, they can't rule, you know, with that. So they're going to have to make some sort of a coalition government with, I, I hadn't seen who yet, but I mean, they'll, they'll have to do that. So in one sense, maybe, you know, there's a nice thing in there that, that there's some, they have some sort of coalitions for um, that, you know, but uh, that uh, are missing here in the United States, where it's it's one party party dictates all because there's two. Yeah, it is it is peculiar because here, for whatever reason, political parties don't seem to matter so much. It's more the personality of the, each candidate, and so you, know, you have a uh, you know, like you said half a dozen you know parties and you know bet rallying rather than just two. And the coalitions or alliances haven't coalesced into two parties, even though we've gone through this many, many times. Okay, you don't. I, I your website just seems to be on the Ball State University website, so bsu.edu. We'll have this have all the details in the show notes to learn more about the Voting System Technical Oversight Program or VSTOP at Ball State in Indiana. Uh, otherwise, is there any particular topic that I didn't address? To be frank, I could pick your brains on this this for a lot longer, and this is an ongoing topic here, so we'll get this up as soon as possible. But is there any, any maybe Elisa, is something something that I didn't get to? I think that we covered mostly everything that we had wanted to talk about. Maybe I could say that really the purpose of us going from Indiana to Guatemala to observe the elections was just as a educational, a learning experience. We went there very open minded. Honestly, we had no idea what to expect going into it, but while we were there, it was an amazing experience. We were able to soak in all of the information that we learned. Um, I actually, since I am the instructor of a certificate program, um, I had an in-person session just a couple of weeks ago, and we had a panel discussion discussing our experiences in Guatemala and how we could take what we had seen in Guatemala and maybe um, implement them here in Indiana and so we definitely want to make it more of like an opening um, event where it's more welcoming, taking the coffee uh, tips and the uh, snacks and maybe putting those here in our polling locations and uh, just making it a better experience overall for people on election days. Um, yeah, I mean, we fit a lot in in a very short amount of time, but it was, uh, yeah, so I really liked Guatemala really good. Well, and one of the other things that, that we all noticed is, you know, in Guatemala, you know, a lot of anyone who's infirmed, older, you know, they kind of just go to the front of the line and there's that you, that would never, in the United States, you would get eye rolls, you would get, hey, they're cutting in line. It was part of the culture. Like, you know, we're going we're gonna to allow these people to just go to the front of the line and cast their ballot without any 
you know, dirty looks or anything. I mean, there, there was some really good things. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And yes, Guatemala has the best coffee in the world. I will. <laughs> the Colombians will contest us. So <laughs> the best you've tried. Okay. I was just out at some coffee growing region yesterday, but there were other observers there. Did you share notes at all with those ones? I know there was a big organization of American states presence. Was that just not on the agenda? You weren't really crossing paths with them so much. Not as much. I, I, we, we met with some of the, the other internal Guatemalan uh, poll observers. And I think there was two organizations that I, I had totally forgotten. And my Spanish is terrible after taking seven years of it as an undergrad. <laughs> and I had never think it now. Now it's all gone. But the, we met with them and, 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 and heard a lot of their stories and things that they, you know, things that we should look for and, and things, you know, key things to talk about. But we didn't have, I mean, literally, so we did elections like all night. Uh, we were ex- like, ex- I mean, just crashed out that night as Sunday and Monday and we had to get up and we, we flew back to Indiana. So, I mean, if you think about it, we left here, uh, I followed Lisa down. She's a much better, faster driver than I am. So, you know, we left at 3.30 a.m. from Muncie, Indiana. And then you know, on Friday night, I mean, barely Friday and then we were back Monday at 9 p.m. So, I mean, the turnaround time was incredible. So, but I mean, we sit, I don't think I've ever used the most productive 72 hours, I think, ever in my life. Yeah. Um, right. But that's one thing we did not get to do is get a chance to compare notes. But it was, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think, you know, we had as many warnings as we got, including from Ball State about, you know, potential violence. There was not a moment at any point in time in Guatemala that I felt any feeling of, of discomfort or, you know, feeling uncomfortable. It was, uh, uh, that, that didn't seem to pan out at least where we were. So take that for what is where, you know, the 10 places we were, the polling places were in and around Guatemala city where I think things were maybe a little bit better in hand than perhaps some of the, the, the places more afield. Yeah. There is actually a prohibition on alcohol sales that weekend, which you might've noticed. Yeah. So yeah. we had to, uh, <laughs> Some members of our group, we shall remain on name, uh, purchased. Uh, we also, there was, uh, we were told to drink the coffee, take the coffee and take the rum. So uh, okay. uh, brought, uh, some people brought the rum home and coffee. I, I brought the coffee, whether I brought the rum home, uh, I, I will defer. But we had, some people had to, uh, <laughs> we had to get there right before noon. And we, we uh, I think we, we cleared that place out of uh, Guatemala. It was actually with the meeting that Steve, that somebody said, you should try the rum. And we were like, well, it's 10 o'clock. How are we going to get there in time? So, we did. Yeah. Right. Well, gosh, yeah, th- this is an ongoing uh, topic. And I'm, I'm really glad to have uh, a unique perspective or an independent perspective on this. You know, you're not aligned with any party or you know, there's no agenda except for electoral integrity. So I will follow up with Elisa about whether that lecture or there is more content available if people want to learn more about your work and, and engagement here. Otherwise, thanks for your time and I look forward to being in touch. Yes, thank so, you. I really so appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day.